you get this data advantage, you launch, you get to scale first, you're able to undercut your competitors on pricing, competitors even being ride help platforms at this point. Then I think it's really hard for the second company to catch up. Today, we have a very special episode with Tasha Keeney joining us. Tasha is an analyst at ARK Invest in the role of Director of Investment Analysis and Institutional Strategies, and she covers autonomous transport and 3D printing. Today, we'll be asking Tasha to share her thoughts on the state of autonomous vehicles and this potential for autonomous ride hail service. What, in their view, is Tesla's likelihood in solving robotaxi? How does Tesla's strategy for rolling out autonomous cars differ from Waymo and GM Cruise services? And of course, what would be its impact to the stock and to society? ARK Invest is an investment management firm founded by Kathy Wood. Known as an early Tesla bull, Kathy started buying Tesla stock in 2016 and currently has millions of shares, which makes up about 11% or so of their portfolio. The company is known for its focus on disruptive innovation and its emphasis on investing in a variety of companies that are at the forefront of technological advancements. ARK Invest offers several ETFs, exchange-traded funds, that provide investors with exposure to these innovative sectors. With a price target for Tesla stock in five years to be $2,000 per share, this will no doubt be a very interesting and informative interview. Thank you, Tasha. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Wonderful. Okay, well, Tasha, you're going to have to help me get brighter. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tasha. I appreciate this. So, you know, right off the bat, uh, you I've seen you on a number of shows and you guys have done a deep dive on Tesla and, of course, these other innovative companies. But for mm-hmm. Tesla specifically... I've heard you say uh, the price target you got for five years is $2,000 per share. Can you mm-hmm. tell us uh, how you came up with that? I know a lot of it is to do with your belief in robotaxi and autonomous ride hill. Yes. So, you know, the, fir- the first thing I'd like to say is, um, you know, our, our publishes our research on Tesla on our website. So yes. uh, the great thing about the Tesla valuation and, you know, the reason I can talk through it so much is because um, it's actually public. So we, we have a blog on our website where you go through the bull, the bear, you know, as you mentioned, our expected value per share is, is $2,000 by that's by 2027. Um, and, uh, Really, the driver of that is robo taxi. So, actually, if you if you look on our site, we have a you know a chart um, that shows. I'm just pulling it up now. One second. Um, that shows the uh, expected the what sort of makes up the enterprise value that we expect in the next five years. And for robo taxis, that is. Yes, so it's roughly sixty seven percent of the enterprise value. So. Uh, this is a really meaningful a driver for the company. And th- that's really the reason that we talk about it so much. Gotcha. Yeah, no, no. You guys have been an early bull. This is something you've been following. Are you getting more excited than the more that you see the FSD improve that when you just heard uh, Elon talk about FSD version 12, not having the beta label? And yeah. uh, you must have just <laughs> jumped up and down when you saw the plans for Dojo supercomputer. Although he did say yeah. that Dojo is not necessary for the solving of robotaxi. Yeah, you know, so I I do think that that announcement was pretty important. Um so at um at the investor day, um you know, what we did hear that and and Tesla has said this that they are uh constrained on um on training. Um so so they're running at 100% capacity right now. So every, uh, 
you know, Dojo is going to, into production, they, they said next month, but you can imagine that um, the, the ability to scale and to improve quickly as if they're, you know, I think they, they, they said they have like 0.03% capacity or something right now. I mean, it's basically a hundred percent utilized. Yeah. Um, so, so any little bit there helps. Um, so I would actually expect that to be meaningful for them to get over yeah. the finish line. You know, even if it's not completely necessary, I, I think the question is like, well, maybe it's not necessary, but will it certainly help? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, our estimate for Tesla crossing the line to create a, a fully autonomous capable uh, vehicle is the midpoint is uh, 2024. So that, that'd be next year. So I think for that to happen in that time period, um, yeah, this is probably pretty significant. Hey there, thank you for joining me. If you can, please consider supporting this channel so I can keep it going. It's a lot of work arranging all these amazing interviews. One of the easiest ways is just to click that join button and become a member of the channel. Thank you very much. Let's get brighter. What's your definition of that midpoint of that threshold? Is it, uh, it's not robo taxi, right? It's just the fact that it can actually have less bugs or no bugs version 12. What's your definition? So I actually am considering that robo taxi, but I think, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be available everywhere. So mm -hmm. I do think, you know, Tesla's approach to full autonomy is that they, they're not trying to do a singular city approach like Waymo and Cruise. They're, it's not, you know, just Phoenix, you know, and we're going to launch in, you know, this 10 square mile radius. That's what I, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that uh, I think they will selectively seed the network, you know, with model threes that are coming off lease um, to, you know, jumpstart uh, in a particular city where it makes the most sense for. So I think that that's, that's when it begins to be possible when they might be able to drive some commercial revenue from it. Um, you know, if it'll be in 20 cities by that point, uh, probably not. But I, I think that yeah. that's when it's, it's possible that we, we could see the early innings of, of that network. Okay, gotcha. And it makes sense. I mean, we know that Waymo and Cruise has already got geofence locations. So this is, it makes sense that by that point it will happen. But I'm just curious how mm -hmm. you guys have so much conviction in this, which is great. Uh, but there's many others who are saying, hey, I'm testing FSC beta. I see that it still makes mistake. The most yeah. recent version blows by sometimes, you know, just things that it used to be able to do better, uh, do well. But yeah. what are you tracking to really know for sure that this is actually improving and going to improve? Is it some sort of exponential rate that you're uh, expecting to happen? Uh, or is it some other thing that you're measuring? Yeah, I mean, what gives us the most, well, I, I think, well, first, let's just talk about autonomous technology and robo taxis in general. Um, I mean, Cruise and Waymo have cars on the road today. So so we know that it's a solvable problem. So then the next question is, well, is Tesla the company to solve it? Um, what gives us so much confidence in Tesla is really their data advantage, um, which we've talked about a lot. But, you know, I'll reiterate, they they have they, they mentioned recently they have 250 million miles cumulatively driven in FSD beta. But uh, the fleet, I believe, is driving over a million miles per day. Um, and they're able to, you know, run so they're basically able to run software in the background, even when you don't have autopilot enabled. So, um, you know, every, every mile is like gives them the possibility to collect a corner case from you as a driver. So that's something that, um, you know, these other companies that are uh, launching RoboTaxi networks do not have. Um, so it certainly gives Tesla the ability to, to scale. And we've seen that um, with every, every, well, with most a, like impressive AI solutions that we've seen from DeepMind, um, you know, yes. OpenAI, it, it tends to involve 
a lot of data that you feed the system. So I, I think that's a really, the data asset is like a critical part of the puzzle. Um, I think what gives us confidence that it'll happen in this time period um, is, is one just, yeah, we, ha we have seen meaningful improvements, you know, anecdotally just in, in the product. I agree with you. It's not perfect. And are there setbacks? Yes. I mean, but I, I kind of expect that because, um, if you think about it, when you're, uh, if you, if you think about it from like a software engineer's perspective, when you make a change to the network, there's probably unexpected, you know, follow on effects that it might have. So it could be like a one step back, two steps forward situation. Um, so I would actually expect that to keep happening. It's not going to be like a totally linear trajectory in, in terms of improvement. And we, we've actually, we've know, we know that in, there's been instances where they had to kind of like totally overwrite work that they've done. So um, Elon talks about this often, this like this idea of, you know, video, just video in, like output yeah. out, you know, and they they talked about this at um, the CVPR conference recently, too. It's just, you know, it's kind of like one one um, neural net to solve it all. That is the end goal. So they haven't quite gotten there yet. But but I, it's like we understood from that conference presentation that it is in the works and they, they said they might roll it out this year. Um, so I, I would, I would expect there to be, uh, you know, again, it's not going to be totally smooth, but that's, that's kind of what you need to do in order to get step changes and improvement. And then lastly, um, to finish my rant here is I, I think the, um, the progress that we've seen in AI in general and with large language models, although like that's not explicitly autonomous driving, you can't say that that doesn't help. That doesn't help like the one, just the field of AI in general. We already know that Tesla is, you know, using, um, transformers, which were popularized by large language models. I think all those breakthroughs kind of just give us this, give us confidence that the field itself is moving forward at a rate that would have been really hard to predict if you were to guess where it would be, you know, five years ago today type of thing. Oh, absolutely. I watched that video with Ashok uh, over and over again. I've tried to understand it. Dr. Doadal John did a great job on his, he did a video where he explained it and uh, tried to understand it, but it is very, very uh, impressive. And, and like you said, he said that uh, everything he talked about there might actually be rolled out by the end of this year. Yeah. There's a confidence in his voice and what they were doing is showing how the system can teach itself in this general model now where it can even understand not only the occupancy network, whether a space is occupied or not, but whether you're allowed to drive through it if it's fog. Like mm -hmm. it taught itself to do that, right? That was very impressive. What did you yeah. find most uh, exciting about that presentation? He just gave what a week ago, right? Yeah. Um I, you know, I, we were talking about it today um, with a group at ARC. I, I thought one of the, well, you know, in, in general, again, it, it seems to be closer to this idea of like video in, out, out put out um, much, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing how they can do it. Whereas before it's like, well, that's a nice idea. How does it work in practice type of thing? So, um, you know, I, similar to you, I'm, I'm a layman watching these presentations, but, but, but again, it, it's, it's, it, it suggests that like the, the work is in progress and they're, you know, trying to roll it out at some point. Um, I, what, one of the most interesting things that I took away from that presentation is he said that um, with the, uh, you know, the general world model that they're building, yeah. that you'd be able to feed it um, YouTube images and even like video from yes. your phone about driving yes. and, and that even that could be used as input, which really, um, you know, Tesla's kind of crossing this threshold where, you know, they're working on the Optimist project. Autonomous driving sets them really well 
sets them up really well to be this company that knows how to move robots through physical space. And that's the, you know, the idea of giving it sort of any type of training input is totally different than what we've heard in the past. I mean, I know we've heard that when, even with autopilot, like from, um, you know, the Model S to the X, they needed to make the sensor placement pretty exact on the vehicle to get it nearly identical across the model types so that you could use the same, you know, video feed to train the system. So, you know, moving from that to just a, an I, a random iPhone video is pretty amazing um, and really suggests that like, oh yeah, they, they, this could be generalizable. You know, if other automakers fail to achieve full autonomy, like maybe autopilot, uh, you know, they will license autopilot to others, as Zelon has said, and and I guess maybe they'll have the capability to do so. I guess if you believe this presentation, so I, I was really impressed by that. Yeah, no, absolutely. They the generalized world model, right? Just using videos, like you said, uh, for many all the cars, uh, not just the ones with FSD, and now YouTube videos, they can <laughs> recreate uh, through this model of what the car that the world looks like, the streets, the trees, the you know, the signs, and then the system labels it on its own, auto labels it. And so right. it's, it's just, yeah, accelerate everything. Yeah. And the fact that they have a supercomputer is what matters. <laughs> no one else mm -hmm. has something like this at this point. So that's, you know, you guys have had very strong conviction about uh, RoboTaxi. I can see why now it, yeah. it's going up, but it goes against what most people, right? Many people just can't believe that this is going to happen. Yeah. So when you guys are investing in disruptive innovation, this is one. How do you do your time frames, though? How do you know that this mm -hmm. is going to be 2024 versus 2026 uh, or even longer? Yeah, well, I mean, to you know, the, the first piece of what you said, most people don't believe this. I, I think that this is one of those things where um, no one's going to believe it unless it's kind yeah. of hitting them in the face and it's it's here. It's it, so I think I think belief will be suspended until that point from the vast majority or for the vast majority of people out there. Yeah. And I mean, same thing with autonomous driving. Like I still see articles that say, Oh, we were promised robo taxis and they're not here. It's like, well, actually they are. They're just in, you know, they're in certain cities. Not everyone has access to them. Um, you know, so for our model, uh, and if this is available on GitHub for anyone to download, uh, we, we run through, it's a Monte Carlo analysis of, um, you know, a, a number of different variables. And so, uh, the way that we, Basically, um, we we set you know what we think are the right parameters. So for Robo Taxi, you know there's the, there's a possibility for it to start you know as early as the end of this year. That's the earliest possible point that we have in the model. Um, that would be like in line with the more aggressive statements that Tesla uh, makes themselves about uh, full autonomy. Or you know you could push that start date out to something like 2030. Um, and uh, basically, we you know it it runs. 5,000 plus times um, with all of our inputs. And that's kind of where the expected value is coming from. So, uh, you know, the exact timing, I think the right way to think about it is, do you think that it'll happen in the next five years? And, uh, you know, ARC is of the opinion that yes, that is possible. And then in that case, it should be factored into the valuation. And, you know, if you don't think it'll happen in 2024, as, as we expect, well, then, you know, slide your input over to 2026 and see, see how much it affects the valuation. So um, this is, you know, it's a, it's a combination of Tesla's pu public statements, um, you know, our own conservatism. Again, we're a little bit more conservative than the company themselves and, and how long it'll take to get there. Um, plus all of the videos that we see online of, of users and AI progress. 
Um, and, you know, we didn't talk about it yet, but I think that one other piece of evidence that gives me confidence is the users that have disabled the wheel nag that drive their cars. And yeah. you know, there's a couple of really impressive videos in San Francisco where the, it basically performs a full ride hill ride, right? Um, you know, it's, they're picking someone up in an Uber on their phone and um, from start to finish, I think they, they, they touch the wheel at the very beginning and the very end. But, um, you know, those seem like solvable situations where you're going to a parking lot or pulling over to the side of the road. Um, so while autopilot still is messing up and that's like the best case example, it kind of gives you this idea, like, is it possible in certain scenarios? Yeah. It already seems possible today in that one area of San Francisco, right? So that's what gives us confidence about that year timeframe. That's a very good point. I mean, I think very few people realize that um, FSD beta reacts differently in different locations. And I think mm -hmm. that Tesla has already confirmed that if you have more Teslas, if you have more Teslas with FSD uh, reporting in that specific area and San Francisco, California, that's uh, it's overfit for that. That's why we do see exactly. videos of people who are testing it there do really well. But then the people who are testing in Chicago or rural towns, they're going, right. you know, it's blowing past this stop sign. That's because it might be mislabeled on the maps. It might be that, uh, you know, and I think purposely, you, it's kind of weird, but I've been thinking this way that uh, Tesla purposely is uh, optimizing for vision and labeling. Mm -hmm. Like they want it that every single ride is as if it's brand new to see how the car will learn that particular ride. Then eventually they add in the memory, which is all the cars driving through it. They already know what it is. They've mapped it out, this general world model. And then from there on, uh, when they turn that on, uh, then it becomes much more less likely to make a mistake. But right now they're optimizing for vision, like as if it's brand new for them. Um, but yeah, this concept of geolocation. So walk me through you know, step by step, how do you see Tesla, the steps right now? So FSD beta 11.4.4, it's mm -hmm. now, anybody can download it and access it. Uh, it's still supervised driving. What's the next step? What's the next step? And then compare that uh, to what Waymo and Cruise. And then I don't know if you also can talk about the Chinese companies, how they, how you see they're going to go uh, about this and how they differ. And some people are saying that this is something that other car companies will eventually copy or they're ahead or they're same pace and eventually both yeah. come at the same time. Can you address that? So first is the time frame exactly step-by-step okay. step how it works. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, compare it to the competitors. Yeah. Um, so, you know, step-by-step, step, I think, I think that, right. We've heard that, you know, the version 12 won't be beta. What, what, I mean, what do you think he means by that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm interpreting that that is really close to if if not the point at which Well, you can think you can think that first. So they're going to do this really carefully, which I think is smart. You know, other automakers have systems where you can already take your hands off the wheel and drive your car, but that's because it's constrained to only on the highway. Um so I think I think Tesla's going to be really careful to, you know, and you know, abide by what NHTSA would like to see uh, before they make that possible. But that's like the next major step for me. So someone being able to, you know, you the average driver, right, being able to just um, disable the wheel nag, take their take their hands off. Um, some people, again, as we've seen, are already doing that. Um, but uh, for that to just be like a feature that's rolled out and approved, um, I I do think that you know at that point there's probably going to be some you're, you're you know 
then then you imagine like the next step is okay well i don't have to have my eyes on the road all the time um exactly when that's going to happen like in this time period uh you know I, i'm not sure right but i i think could it happen in the next year it seems like it from the progress that we've seen um i mean the stuff that tesla doesn't really talk about as much is then actually like bootstrapping the ride hail network so they already have the capability to do that. I mean, they have this immense set of driving data. You know, they have people that are, it's probably, you know, you can imagine it's like you as Tesla that's getting getting data back from these vehicles. You you likely know which ones are being used as ride hail cars just on the utilization rate alone. They're probably driving way more than the average driver in like specific, you know, one specific cities, like frequent uh, drop-off pickup up points. So they already have like navigation and route data there. It's more just like, okay, well, you know, how are they going to actually roll out an app and make this available to consumers? Um, and I do think they're prioritizing crossing the line to full autonomy before um, that gets rolled out. Uh, I think that that's also a smart decision because I think that solving for full autonomy is the more difficult piece of the puzzle versus, you know, launching like their version of Uber. I'm not saying that's easy to do. I'm, I'm just saying that the um, the latter is is more, or the former, sorry, is, is more difficult. Um, so, so those are kind of like the rough steps that I expect. And I think you're right. Like I could easily see this happening in a place like California where, um, you know, they, they know it's a trusted service. There's a lot of Teslas there and uh, it, it works really well right now. What about um, some people think that uh, the day that they will uh, know that this is actually going to happen is when Tesla decides to say that uh, insurance, we basically are taking liability for this drive. Is that part of your thinking at all that that might even happen? Yeah, I, ex I mean, I would expect them to do that once you are able to take your eyes off the road. Um, then, then the computer has to be at fault. Uh, you know, they're already setting up insurance uh, that, that seems to be a fairly complex approval process state to state. So I think they're probably going as fast as they can there. But, um, but yeah, I do expect the insurance platform uh, to eventually cover the computer liability in the future. Um, that said, I also think that uh, the cost to do so will be less expensive than there'll be a premium for, uh, you know, a car that's heavily utilized, like a ride hail vehicle today, like ride hail insurance. But the accident rate, I think, will be lower. I've modeled that I expect it to be roughly 80%, um, more than 80% uh, lower on a, in an accident like per X amount of miles basis. Um, and that's looking at how autopilot and planes was first introduced and how those, um, you know, the complexity and the accident rate came down uh, subsequently. So, um, but, but yeah, I, I do expect that to be, um, you know, a part of that Tesla verticalization puzzle that they're putting together. Do you, do you think it's going to be Tesla owned cars, Tesla ride hail service, or are they going to actually let consumers like me who own my Tesla as promised to be able to then rent it out as part of their service? Or is it yeah. going to be just first controlled with their cars, their service first, or how, how might that roll out? Given Tesla's history, I expect them to do this, to do it themselves first. Uh, so we need, again, we know that they can take, um, cars that are coming off of lease that don't have the option for the customer to buy them. Um, of course, they can take cars off the production line if they felt like that was the right decision to do, given, you know, customer demand and all those things at the moment. Um, I do think that they will, it, it seems like there's, um, 
there's going to be the possibility for, for owner. I think there could be the possibility for owners to put their cars on the Ride Hill network. I do think that that's probably going to be the more uh, rare of the two. I think it's, it's more of a fleet model that Tesla will first own its itself, but then like further down the road, like in the next five to 10 years, I expect them to have a fleet partner that houses and maintains these vehicles. Like, I don't think it makes sense for them to hold all of these cars on their balance sheet necessarily, but they're going to want to bootstrap it and set it up themselves because that's what they do with, with, you know, most of their new projects, right? They try to do as much as they can internally. Right. And do you think that they'll build it? You were saying the cars on lease, but that would might have hardware three, right? Wouldn't they optimize for hardware four when you roll it out? Just make sure you got the best tech or do you think that hardware three can do this yeah i think that uh the way that it'll work is it yeah it'll be it'll be okay so i i picture it to first the um you can imagine that the first that's a good point the first vehicles on the network could be the latest generation hardware but i expect over time for it to to for them to be able to outfit fit even earlier generations with FSD capability, like the, you know, the statement that they made, okay, every car produced past this point, you know, some like, what was it now? It was the 2016 announcement that they made. Um, I do expect all of those car, you know, I expect mm-hmm. them to sort of fulfill that promise either through, you know, the, the swappable uh, Tesla chip in the car solution, because uh, they did, they did upgrade the, the in-car computer um, or through, you know, kind of just like the network getting better. And, like as we talked about before, if it's so generalizable that you can train it from a YouTube model now, I imagine that like, you know, once they perfect that piece of it, which is probably not going to be in this first iteration, first release, that then it'll it'll start moving backwards to sort of earlier generation vehicles. If that makes sense. Yeah, I was I was really still shocked that Ashok <laughs> said said that he is is planning they're planning to roll this out. He paused for a long time, then he said. I think by later this year, I was like, whoa, it's already middle June. And this is a shock saying this, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, this means that they've been playing with it. They've been using it. You heard Elon say that the uh, dojo has already been, like they, you know, it says uh, in production July, but he said, well, we've actually already started using it. So it feels like they have actual data or knowledge that this is, maybe further along than, you know, that they're a little bit more confident, but conjecture. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Elon always sounds more confident than ever. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, to your point for someone from the engineering team to say that, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. that is, is really exciting, but like, I would also say if it doesn't happen by the end of the year, right. you know, I, I, people, this is this is the type of thing again where I like to think of it as is it going to happen in the next five years? Like, is it something I as an investor should think about? And then in, in that case, okay, yes, it's really interesting. But if it's like a six month delay, I, I don't think that should be as as critical to this type of story, like the exponential growth story. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for doing that. You walked me through step by step. Thank you for that. So competitors, right? People think that yeah. Waymo and Cruise are way ahead. Uh, we've seen videos from China. Actually, I have not done my own research on the Chinese yeah. uh, progress, but some people are saying, oh, they're mm-hmm. so far ahead too. They've got authority yeah. from the government. The good news, by the way, is that every single country seems to be, Europe is fast-tracking FSD beta usage in Europe. Um, every mm-hmm. country seems to have, uh, they're going to start expanding it to other countries. Now we're seeing them yeah. test the hiring uh, ADAS people to test out FSD beta there. 
And then other countries are now approving or headed towards approving FSD beta being tested there. But so, the, the, you know what I mean? Like, I guess my, my point, yeah. we should actually spend a little bit of time talking about this because Definitely. a few years ago, everybody said, oh yeah, maybe the tech will get there, but there's no way the cities and the regulators will ever approve this. It's going to take mm -hmm. them years. But in fact, the opposite has happened. It yeah. seems like they're all just jumping the gun, like maybe even jumping the gun, but they're actually proving it and they're creating committees and they're actually promoting mm -hmm. this to happen. Um, let's talk about that before we get to competitors. Yeah. Tell me what you're thinking about that, if I'm right. Yeah, I think, well, I guess, yeah, on, on that, you know, because we we think that robotaxis will be beneficial for the economy, they'll be beneficial for cities because they'll prevent accidents. I mean, we see like with cell phones and distracted driving, um, uh, accidents today versus five years ago. I mean, it's just not a very pretty picture. And I, I think it's like in the city's best interest to get it passed. That said, I mean, there's always, there's always going to be pushback. We see that happening right now in San Francisco, uh, you know, uh, cruiseway vehicles, um, at emergent. Well, the, the claim is that they're not behaving yeah. as they should at like emergency response scenes. So it's not perfect, but yeah, let's give credit where credit's due. Um, Waymo was first to get a commercial service, albeit in a very limited area in Chandler, Arizona. I think they're watching, they're likely now watching what Cruise is doing and wanting to move even faster because I think um, Cruise, uh, you know, they've expanded service to all of San Francisco. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they, they are, they're launching in Austin. They, they said that they would, I think if you look at the time period from when it took them to launch in San Francisco, it was something like, I don't know, a number of years and then 90 days to launch in Austin where they didn't have um, any mm -hmm. service before. So I think that's pretty impressive. I, I like that they're moving away from HD maps too, by the way, of course, that's like more similar to what um, Tesla has been saying for a while. And, uh, certainly seems to make sense. Like maybe you want a more generalizable approach as you're expanding uh, service and maybe, you know, whatever you've learned in um, San Francisco has given them confidence to do so. Uh, I think the difference between Tesla, the main difference between Tesla competitors, as I said, is the data advantage. Um, so Cruise and Waymo, Cruise has 2 million miles in the cumulative lifetime of the project. It might be more than that at this point, but I think that's the last uh, announced data point that they gave. Waymo, and that's that's driverless miles. That's what they count. Waymo um, has uh, they call it public rider only miles. So it's not quite apples to apples, but close enough. That I think they've announced a million mile marker so far. And then again, two hundred fifty million miles Tesla FSD beta is it totally apples to apples? No. Um, I mean, you still have a driver behind the wheel, but I think it just gives you an idea of the scale and the data difference between those companies. Um, and of course, the big difference is Tesla's doing it vision only, where these companies are using lidar and HD maps. Um, I think that the HD map approach has proven itself to be first to market. And now it's a question of, well, who's first to scale? Um, and I, I think that the, the vision-only approach, Tesla, which, you know, in, in a lot of ways, Tesla actually had to do um, to, you know, get uh, the right hardware on, on uh, consumer cars on the road. Um, but, you know, that's, that's how they're going to get the scale, get the data advantage to solve this on like a, a more generalizable scale where maybe they could launch faster in other cities um, than competitors have done so far. Um, and if you look at what's happening in the U S versus the rest of the world, um, you know, I'm actually surprised at the way that robo taxis have panned out in, in the U S and it's, it's almost like an accident that 
the decisions were made at local levels because there was no, you know, uh, federal authority uh, or, you know, in terms of like driving on public roads, you have to get approved state to state and you have to work with local cities as opposed to this like blanket approval over the country. And that actually ended up being a good thing because then states competed with each other to get these tech companies to come in and, and test their vehicles and, you know, bring engineering talent into the city. Um, in China, I think that things can happen. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Things happen at China like speed. We, we've seen that with mm-hmm. Tesla's factories even. So it's like, there was always the opportunity that, oh, it actually could be, a, you know, and it maybe it still will be um, uh, at, at like a larger scale first there. But I've actually, uh, as I've watched the regulatory progress there, I'm less convinced that that'll happen now. Um, I still think the U.S. will likely be first. And that's really because uh, the companies themselves move at amazing uh, speed. But uh, the government has restricted testing to like specific business zones and cities. Um, And so it's not the same type of approval that you would get if you're approved to drive an autonomous vehicle in California. You could go anywhere within the state. It would be a smaller part of the city and then you're not going to get the diversity in the data set to solve the problem as well i think um so you know baidu is working on it there pony ai private company uh we ride another private company um baidu i think has the most uh like they have they are driving in over 10 cities with autonomous vehicles. So like in terms of scale and uh, regulatory approval, favor with local authorities, they seem to be winning that game, but it's a question of whether or not they have the best technology that might be with one of the private players. Um, So I think maybe, you know, us first, China second here, and then Europe probably last. Um, And it's really, again, because uh, the way that approval has rolled out, uh, you know, you just want to be able to test on open public roads. Um, and the way that I've seen it work so far has just been limited to specific swaths of highways, things like that. I, I think that uh, once scale picks up here, then, then other countries will say, hey, what are we doing? We have to get this on our own roads. Um, so I think it'll happen. It just might not be as quick. I love this. That was a wonderful answer. Thank it's you so long much. Answer. Okay. No, no, I prefer that. Thank you, Tasha. But so, so many questions I've got right now. So first is, do you believe that there's truth to this concept that people are saying that NHTSA, regulatory mm-hmm. body for you know driving here in um, in motor vehicles here in the U.S., that if they had seen FSD beta being used as uh, human supervised driving, causing any issues like significant uh, you know issues to be concerned about, they would have shut it down. They would have said anything. The fact that they've been quiet, is that kind of like, yeah, you can't really read too much into that? Or is that there's some truth that maybe it is true that Tesla has released data to show that uh, autopilot is nine times safer than human drivers alone. So human driver, human supervised uh, autopilot is nine times safer and human supervised FSD beta is six times safer than a human driver. If that is true, which this is you know, I don't imagine Tesla would ever say anything that isn't, then of course NHTSA would approve of this and they would support this improvement. Do you think there's some truth to that? I do think that Tesla is working closely with NHTSA. I mean, they've they've said that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we we know that to be true, that they're at least in conversation and they strive to be in conversation with them, which which is smart. Um, I, I, have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So first, I think to your point, Tesla gets so much scrutiny and the, you know, the big 
um, traditional automakers have uh, a lot of like lobbyist power that I think if there was something wrong, um, yeah, even if it was like borderline wrong, I think it would be shut down or at least like we'd see, you know, some investigation where it had to be paused. Uh, so I, I do agree with that um, point of view. I will say like back to this data advantage that I keep on harping on, Tesla is actually in a much better position with regulators as well. Because if you think, oh, you want to statistically yeah. prove that you're better than a human and you only yeah. have a million miles, I mean, it's like, is that at more than the average person? The average person drives something like 10,000 miles a year. Yeah, but you know, you, you want to prove like to whatever ninth of accuracy you, you want to slide in here that you're statistically better. So I, I think that they're really well set up there. Um, yeah, and I've actually done some analysis myself looking at the data, data uh, Tesla released on um, FSD autopilot and then, uh, you know, compared to the national average of accidents. And I think, I think it's at least like five, like maybe five or six times safer than a, than just a human driving a Tesla vehicle if you're driving an FSD already. So I, I expect that they're sharing that with regulators and, um, you know, is that a perfect statistic? No, but none of these statistics are perfect. Right. I've seen like a lot of, um, you know, critiques of, oh, what are they counting versus others? But I, I think that they're trying to make it as close to what is actually considered an accident in the national statistics as they possibly can. So um, that's that's my take. Okay. And then back to competitors. Uh, there are yeah. people who think that, uh, you know, yeah, you've got all these competitors, you walked us through them. We all are keep hearing about Cruz and Waymo and the Chinese companies. And some people go, yeah, they're just they're catch up. They're doing it too. So this is at the end of the day going to be a wash. Uh, but then you also yeah. are saying that there's a data advantage. So yeah. what you know, I keep telling people if you believe that in order to do robo taxi, you must have the three things that Elon said. Right? You'd have to have a supercomputer. You have to have billions of miles driven, and you have to have the neural nets and the engineers to do this. If you don't have all three, you're not going to solve this problem. And yet they point to these other companies and say they're doing it and they've got geofence and they'll scale it. Do you see the world as one take all or is it going to be multiple competitors and everybody has a piece of the pie? I think it'll be winner takes most maybe in specific geographies. Um, so I think, and when I say that, I mean like, I don't know, maybe North America is a geography, uh, maybe in areas of Europe, it's more pocketed, um, could be country to country, you know, in China, maybe it's even regional, depending on like how the regulatory situation shakes out there. But um, I think that given the data scale and advantage, okay, so like, what is all of this for? Why do we care about robotaxis at all? Well, I think that the lower the cost per mile of personal point-to-point -point transport. Um, right now, Uber's average price is like, you know, two to three dollars per mile, let's say, uh, you know, as high as four plus, of course. But um, I think that at scale, my modeling suggests that a robotaxi could be as cheap as 25 cents a mile to the consumer. I think that there's a lot of room in between three dollars and 25 cents for uh pricing that'll be amenable to consumers. So I don't think it has to be that low. And I don't think it will be that low um, upon initial release. Really, all you need to do is to undercut today's ride hill prices. Um, and you do that, you know, both by taking the driver out, but, but also I think that these cars might have better utilization rates um, uh, than both today's taxis and of course, personal cars. So it could actually be cheaper than you 
if you live in a city, it'll be cheaper to take a robo taxi than it will be to drive your personal car because that costs you roughly like 70 cents on average per mile in the US um, to drive a new personal car, at least uh, a little bit less for the average vehicle. Um, so that said, you get this data advantage, you launch, you get to scale first, you're able to undercut your competitors on pricing, competitors even being ride help platforms at this point. Then I think it's really hard for the second company to catch up because you're likely, you know, whoever crossed the finish line at scale first ha- probably has some technology advantage over you. So you're like trying to catch up on the technology front, which probably isn't cheap to do while also kind of trying to stay competitive on price. We've seen like in the ride hill wars that can get pretty ugly. Um, and you know, it's like, it's similar to what we're seeing to some extent happen in the electric vehicle market. Not every automaker is producing them profitably. Um, I think it'll be hard to do, to compete profitably with the company that gets to scale first. Especially if Cruise and Waymo require the <clears throat> LIDARs, which are thousands of dollars you have to outfit the cars. They're special cars. I don't even know how they're going to do this regular cars, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do. I mean, yeah, the, from what I've heard, the vehicles are pretty expensive now, but you know, even that aside, because in the robo taxi world, it'll be much more about the utilization rate that you get versus the upfront cost of the car. Cause it'll be a fleet model. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's more just about uh, getting to scale because you need you need utilization rates to be high enough to allow you to lower price. And when you're working with fewer vehicles on the road, like something that surprises me about Cruise and GM is um, is that I'm surprised GM is just not a lot more aggressive at the number of origins that they plan to produce. Um, and I think you know one of one of my concerns is that that that's probably locked in for like the next two to three years, given how production and manufacturing planning works. Um, so I think they'd said something like a million cars by the end of the decade. Um, but, you know, compared to Tesla, like that, it just might not be enough if, if um, Tesla crosses the finish line to keep up. So. Okay. And, and so you briefly touched on the econ- economics of ride hill service. You said 25 cents a mile. I think yeah. I've heard Elon say $2, like it's going to be very similar to a bus ride. I mean, that was like years ago when he said this. Oh yeah. Um, any other steps of the economics of this? So I think that people are saying, okay, if you own a car, you're going to, I think I saw some of your data point that I think you have 50%. It's like, you, obviously this is variable. You can change it. But if you assume that 50% of the time, my car that I own, I'm going to go and rent it out to other people. And then how many hours in a day, the fact that this is, uh, you know, the car is pretty low maintenance, low insurance. Uh, I think you have the price of the autonomous tech, the price of the EV, the fuel, you've got remote. Op- I don't know if I should even show this chart because <laughs> I don't know. This is a little complicated oh, yeah. charts. I, is, yes. that, is that something people, our audience will understand or is it it's way too complicated, isn't it? Well, I I like this chart, but maybe, maybe that's because <laughs> I, I, I'm so in the weeds on this. But I think, okay, so the takeaway, the takeaway if you didn't yeah. want to go through all these details is that, again, utilization rate is really what's going to drive the price per mile gotcha. more so than any of these other factors. Um, so, you know, New York City taxi, the last time I looked, got something like a 30% utilization rate. I think a ride hail vehicle, uh, an autonomous ride hail vehicle, I'm estimating could be more around 50%. Um, but even if it didn't get to that 50% mark, you could still imagine it undercutting uh, a personal vehicle and uh, today's mm-hmm. ride hail, certainly today's two to three ride per mile uh, ride hail price points. 
and that's that's what's going to be important to get to get people to actually take the service is price. It'll be safer. I think it'll be better than a human driven car, but it's it's going to be people are motivated. I think by price. Okay. Whoa. Okay. I, I don't think it's worth this. It. You guys want to know the details? You got to drive, go to her their website, and then they have it all <laughs> laid out. There's a long blog post. It's going to take a long time. Um, so yeah, let me let's move off of uh, full self driving and robo taxi. Thank you for sharing why you're so bullish about it. The details you mm -hmm. obviously did your research. Um, you're more confident than most people. Okay, so so this this you know you've heard Elon and Tesla refer to this ever since they introduced Optimus and the Tesla bot. That really this car is a bot. It's just a uh -huh. bot wheels. Okay. Yep. And everything that you just saw with Ashok and everybody, they always say that everything we're seeing here, the ability to do general world model, the ability to the occupancy network, the ability to label, it's all applies mm -hmm. to the bot as well. In my mind, and this is my position, in my opinion, that I think that bots are going to happen way faster than RoboTaxi. Uh, you, you don't have to worry about safety. You, you don't have to have the millions and trillions of things that it needs to be able to recognize in a very, very complicated road and traffic and driving scenario. You can have a bot just work in a factory from this six feet by six feet area. And the bot just moves from one area to another area, grabs this thing and puts it there. And you can apply all this technology. You can create a bot for less than $10,000. This could be a product that happens sooner than RoboTaxi. And yet I see that today, and, and I, I recognize that this is a brand new thing that they just launched us a year or two, but I've not seen mm -hmm. it in models. Like you still yeah. modeling the value of the company, Tesla, the value of the worth of the stock, just mm -hmm. you said 65% is on Tesla, on Tesla mm -hmm. Robo Taxi. When I, today, I, I flip it. <laughs> I, I'm so much more confident that bots will be a thing. Now, granted, when I say this, people think I'm crazy. They think bots is decades away. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I've four experts who tell me that building the bot is less than 10,000. They are able to build thousands of these today if they wanted to, if they think that they've you know, figured out the, the, they don't want to scale before you've actually locked down the design. But as soon mm -hmm. as you lock it down, they can build thousands very quickly. And like I said, it can be a very specific use case. It doesn't have to fold your laundry. It doesn't have to you know, wash your dishes. You don't even sell it to consumers for decades from now. All you need to do is use it in a factory. And that business alone is massive. Um, so where do you guys fit with, with that concept? Yeah, the reason it's not in our valuation model is because I think it's a question of will it have an impact in the next five years. So I'd actually take the other side of that. I'd say what gives them the confidence and the ability to make Optimus is what they're learning on the autonomous taxi side. I do think that uh, I don't know that it's I don't know that it's an easier problem to solve. I mean, you're dealing with humans all the time. You it's like. It's, it's like, the, think about, like, um, there are clearly defined rules to driving, whether or not everyone follows them perfectly, but there's, there are rules and there aren't the, it's not such a, it's not quite as a clear definition. I mean, like pick and place robots, if you're only doing one thing, then yeah, I mean, that already exists, but that's not really what Optimus is. It's more like a general purpose humanoid robot you expect it to do tasks that humans do in the and I just think that there's more complexity there so I I think it's really interesting I think I understand why Tesla thinks that they can do this as we talked about you know they're building the foundation model for object for 
things that move through physical space. And they have this um, amazing data asset. It doesn't port perfectly, but as you know, we heard Ashok and others say in the CVPR presentations, it um, you know you can train it on new data, but you then have the model uh, to run on Optimus that you use that that you built um, from from the vehicle network. Uh, so I think it's exciting. Um, we you know we're, we're we are doing work to determine exactly what the market potential is, but the reason that we're focused so much on RoboTaxi is because we think it's going to happen first, and that's if you're if you have a five year investment time horizon, that's where we think. Um, time should be focused. And then the other thing I'd say is, again, I have we haven't quite tuned like what the opportunity for humanoid robots are as a total market. But I think Robotaxi is it's going to be a market that's worth trillions of dollars. I think service revenues alone, my estimate, you know, um, in the next five to ten years, that could be something like nine nine or ten trillion dollars uh, globally. So what, what it's just what service revenue. So that's that's the um, the revenue that come off of the per mile prices that consumers pay for ride hail. So I think that it's such a large opportunity that it's going to drive uh, R and D dollars towards it, and companies are going to be interested in making profits off of it. That that's uh, that's why it's it's going to be solved first. Like versus you know trucks, other things. I think that'll all go autonomous. Very important. Still still a big market opportunity, just not quite as big as the ride hail. Gotcha market. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And then um, tell me just a step back, high level Tesla. How did Kathy, what was her original thesis about Tesla? She did, She started investing in 2016. How do you guys view Tesla? And what are the big things that you guys think is uh, is really, really critical of how you, how do you evaluate this as a tech, uh, disruptive innovation? And what is it about Tesla that you love so much? Yeah. So ARC was founded in 2014, and uh, we launched our first funds, um, I believe, at the either the end of the year or the the following year. But um, so we had always uh, been investors in in Tesla, um, and uh, and and Kathy, you know, even prior to ARC, was already focused on innovation. That's why she founded the company, um, as well as Brett, our chief futurist, uh, who wor- who worked with Kathy before before ARC started. Um, so, uh, you know, we, ARC Invest started out, we want to invest in disruptive innovation. We're going to have a five-year investment time horizon, kind of what technologies should we focus on? And um, autonomous vehicles were one of the things that we looked at from day one. It was just a matter of proving it out. Okay, is this actually a market? Um, so that's where I came in and tried to um, do the analysis to determine, okay, what is the price per mile that you could charge for an autonomous taxi? Oh, actually, that makes it interesting because it's really cost competitive with what the, what's out there today. And then what is the market for driving globally? And how, what do we think this adoption rate could be over the next five to 10 years? So that's kind of how we got to this. Oh, actually, this should be measured in the trillions. Um, and originally, uh, you know, back then, if you recall, Tesla was not always saying that they would solve for full autonomy. Elon said, no, oh, you know, the last 10 percent exactly so hard. Um, and uh, so we knew it was like a very important electric vehicle play. So we were all, all, also interested in electric vehicles. Um, ARC uses uh, rights law to forecast cost declines uh, for batteries. Uh, this is something you can look back over 100 years in the auto market. It forecasts cost mm-hmm. declines very well batteries, we think will follow this curve as well. Um, so EVs are becoming price competitive with gas powered cars. 
Tesla seems to be the leader in EVs. We still think they are today. Um, but this autonomy thing came later. Um, so first, you know, it was really Waymo that was talking about it. And every a lot of the traditional automakers then kind of piled on and said, we're going to have an autonomous car by 2019. And then, you know, that never happened. I think a lot of them maybe won't be around in 10 years because I think it'll be really hard for the traditional autos to get there. Um, so it was kind of just over time that we realized, okay, well, actually Tesla's you know, Elon kind of changed what he was saying. He started becoming more interested in autonomy, um, the verticalization, the software over the air updates that amazingly no other automaker is able to do across their whole model line. Even today, that was, you know, it's like more than yeah. 10 years ago at this point that Tesla has been doing this. All of those software vertical advantages is what we thought would, would help them in this space. So that's kind of when we started, uh, we just started getting sort of more confident in it over time um, from that perspective. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Okay. I, I want to uh, just tell me a bit more about ARK Invest, um, disruptive innovation. Oh, wait, here we go. This is your big ideas uh, yes. PDF that I downloaded. <clears throat> and so you guys are uh, identifying disruptive innovation. So this chart looks pretty complicated because you've got, what, six, uh, 12 items here. And mm -hmm. then you, these are the concepts. And then, you, the, but you kind of summarize it to these five are converging. Yeah, okay. these are Can five platform technologies. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. These are the five, five platform technologies that ARK invest, invests in, researches, and, and cares about um, artificial intelligence uh, that, you know, covers sort of like the chat GPT models of mm -hmm. the world. Um, uh, energy storage, uh, you know, here an example is um, electric vehicles. Um, robotics, this is, you know, factory robots, uh, as well as, you know, um, a, a, autonomous vehicles are sort of, you know, they all converge and sort of the lines cross, but um, you can consider sort of across those two categories. And then uh, multiomics, um, you know, we have a whole team dedicated to looking at things like uh, the, the cost declines that we see in DNA sequencing and um, emerging uh, therapeutic products that could be totally disruptive to how um, we live our lives and how, um, you know, people with rare diseases are able to actually survive and find cures. And then lastly, um, public blockchains. Uh, we also have a team that looks uh, strictly at uh, cryptocurrency um, and the, the digital wallet space. Um, we're very uh, bullish on Bitcoin um, of, of all things. And we have a lot of research on that as well. Uh, so from these, these are five platform technologies. We then say that there are 14 technologies that that these platforms enable these ones and exactly um mm -hmm. so you can see that in the next graphic um and uh uh you know so they while it's it's t again tough to draw the lines exactly this is this is when you look at uh what arc invests in this is uh the when we say technologies that we're focused on the, these are really um our, our main points here, the 14. So, uh, you know, I cover autonomous mobility and 3D printing, um, you know, within the sort of next generation manufacturing space or what we call the autonomous technology and robotics space. We also look at reusable rockets. That's, um, you know, uh, my colleague, Sam Corris has done a lot of great work on SpaceX. Um, we look at next generation satellite platforms um, that are uh, connecting people to the internet, adaptive robotics. This is things like collaborative robots that you might find in a factory. So like Optimus would fall under that category. Um, neural networks, um, 
sort of self-explanatory um, intelligent devices. These are things like, you know, mobile phones or other devices that um, like smart intelligent devices in our homes, uh, next generation cloud, uh, cryptocurrency, smart contracts. I don't have to go through all of them, but, you know, you can see here that, um, you know, we, we convergence is something that we talk about frequently at ARC and, uh, the way that this comes into play when we do research is that uh, we as as directors, as analysts, and as associates collaborate often, and we're assigned by technology group, which is not as common in the investment world. Often you might get assigned to an industry-specific yes. vertical or a yeah, sector. Yeah. We're technology-focused uh, and sector agnostic. Um, so... Uh, you know, we, um, that's, that's sort of how stocks come to us. We research each of these technologies and we determine the market opportunity with the cost decline associated with them. And then in that process, we'll surface interesting investment opportunities and we'll do the, um, fundamental analysis to determine whether or not they should make it into our portfolios. Convergence definitely accelerates, uh, supercharges the exponential growth. And that's why things are just getting faster and faster. So Tasha, you do autonomous mobility and 3D printing. I think mm -hmm. your world's about to get rocked, if I'm correct. <laughs> I am predicting that Elon Musk will launch a 3D printing company. And it's going to be printing not only physical homes and so forth as part of his plan for Mars, but he needs to print food. <clears throat> um, I had the opportunity to ask uh, Elon Musk a question and his brother Kimball mm -hmm. at the Gigafactory Texas party last year. I was able to mm -hmm. be at the secret party that they were at. And I asked them, I, I took my shot and asked them my question. My question was, you know, for, what's the first principle thinking for solving um, world hunger? And, uh, and then he started going off saying, you know, there is no, there's no calorie deficit, meaning that there's enough food. The yeah. issue is getting the food to the people that need it. So I'm convinced mm -hmm. that he's going to need to create, you know, the ability for you to print food or create food at your location. And then I asked Kimball, as we know, his whole life is working around food. Mm -hmm. You know, are you and your brother working on solving world hunger? And he said, yes. He said, yes. And you can tell that if you go to Mars, you're going to need to solve food. So anyways, I just, my think, my guess, if that happens, you call me. <laughs> you're going <laughs> well, to be... I <laughs> I, I would love it. Yeah, I mean, we we, we do know that um that the Tesla does utilize three D printing. SpaceX, of course, utilizes. It's it's much more relevant for SpaceX. Um, and actually, uh, a company that they use Velo three D has a very innovative way of three D printing. Um, it's a support free process. That's that's great for some of the rocket support systems. Um, so yeah, I you know I, I think Tesla could do so many things. It's just kind of a question of where are they going to put resources? Where do they have the management bandwidth to push push projects through? Like Optimus is kind of the next generation one that we're seeing, but um, you know, like arguably they could make a, a drone platform as well to deliver goods to people, if, and that right. that would be one way of of, of getting uh, you know, or. Yeah let's say like autonomously getting um, food uh, where it needs to be um, in a cost-effective way. So it's good to end here, which is one of your slides. And well, this is the big boom, right? Which is neural networks are the most important catalyst. And yeah. I think the world discovered this, realized this today, <laughs> just the last few months. But, you know, this whole thing is Tesla is an AI company. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because obviously AI, neural networks, the supercomputer we've been talking about, it applies not only to autonomous ride hill services. It won't just apply to the Tesla bot. It's going to apply to everything that they do in every part. You got battery technology, 
right? Factories, intelligent devices. What, what's your, uh, yeah, what's your, you know, quick two minute uh, explanation of why you think neural nets is so critical and how does Tesla's uh, approach with this? Yeah, I mean, we, we think, you know, as we size um, opportunities across these technologies, uh, that is really the largest bucket. So, so I think that um, as a standalone uh, technology, a- autonomous mobility could have uh, the largest like quantifiable impact on GDP in the next 10 years. Um, if you look at past inventions, and we have a, a great slide on our deck here um, that shows that the percentage point impact that, you know, a single innovation has made on GDP, I, I think autonomous mobility could contribute $26 trillion uh, to uh, GDP in the next 10 years. Um, but neural networks are an even larger opportunity. It's just like a matter of sort of quantifying exactly. It's just a little bit broader than autonomous mobility, let's say. So I think, you know, we, we've estimated that the opportunity there could be in the the tens of trillions as well. Um, as you said, it doesn't just cover uh, mobility, which I cover. It, it, it covers all sort of software systems, how we communicate with each other, um, the large language models that have come out. I think, um, you know, we're really living in the AI age. I like so many investor dollars are pouring into this space. We're uh, doing the research to determine what are the right opportunities and you know which companies have an appropriate valuation to invest in now, which I think is another an, a discussion for another day. Um, but uh, it's something that we are have always been focused on, and and we're just glad to be you know living in in today's world. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate you every time you're interviewed on these TV channels. You always point out Tesla's an AI company, the advantage in software and data is unparalleled. It's crazy how few people know that and you, you're you're educating people. And you just said something. You said autonomy will add an additional $26 trillion to GDP in 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a big deal. It's massive. I mean, Elon has been saying this for many years, but few are absorbing that, how big of a deal this is. If they solve this and we are Tesla investors, but we're going to take get advantage of this. Um, thank you very much, Tasha. I appreciate your time. Um, very impressive. You know, you gave me some really, uh, our audience, a lot of detail of what was missing in our thinking about uh, how soon, like you said, you're not necessarily, you know, saying it's got to happen by next year, but it's going to happen in five years and uh, you're modeling and everything else as soon as you can. So folks, uh, go follow ARK Invest on their website is arc-invest.com. Tasha's on Twitter under the hand, handle Tash Ark. Oh, no, Tasha, A-R-K, Tasha Ark. Yes, yeah, Tasha Ark, that's me. Thank you so much, Tasha, appreciate this. Hopefully you learned something and uh, you got brighter. I certainly did. Thank you, Tasha. Thanks, Herbert, great conversation as always. 